0: As we worship together today, we listen for the Lord's voice to us on this beginning of Holy Week, and as we do, we're going to be taking a look today at Jesus' crucifixion. In particular, this part of his crucifixion between the two criminals, or the two thieves. And uh, as we do, just to mention that uh, here on the cross, we find the central act of history, the defining moment that all of history hinges around is this moment and how Jesus has impacted our lives from that day. And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 23. We'll pick up in the 32nd verse. And this is what he writes from Luke. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. So when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him, and they said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him some wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. I see you. You pray with me. Come, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit do its work here. Open our eyes to see and our hearts to believe and our hands and feet to follow and turn our whole beings toward living for your glory, now and forever in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks back, um, I mentioned that on my way here one morning, uh, I almost got in a wreck. You may remember that story. Uh, I was at a traffic light. The sun was coming up on the horizon. And so the people coming from this direction, the sun was on this side. The people were coming this way. <coughs> all they could see was sun. They couldn't see that the light had turned red and that my light was green. And I thought they were far enough away that surely they're going to you know, slow down and stop and all that. I didn't realize that the sun was blinding them, but they couldn't see. And in their blindness, they missed hitting me by a couple of yards and I'm thankful that they missed. But uh, that's one of the consequences in life of blindness, even blindness by the sun or blindness any other way, is when we can't see. It's sure that harm will follow. We're going to end up someplace we didn't mean to. We're going to run into somebody we didn't intend on running into. We're going to hurt ourselves or others as we stumble in in our blind darkness and as we look at that today one of the areas where we see that is in the cross and I believe the cross is God's final, last consummate effort to help the scales fall from our eyes spiritually and help us see clearly who we are who Jesus is and what that means. What good news is there for us in the death and crucifixion of the innocent one, the chosen one, the king of the Jews, and not just the king of the Jews, the king of all people. And that's what we want to look at today is how the cross tries to help us take off our spiritual blinders, which I think is the key disease of human history, It's the key disease in our world today, is spiritual blindness to the reality of who Jesus is and who God is. We see the evidence of this even in the crucifixion story, where the first principle I want us to notice is the cross teaches us who we are and where we are. The cross teaches us who we are and where we are. We see that in the story from those who were supposed to be on Jesus' side and those of his followers, nobody got it right. Nobody got the moment right, save but a very few. One of those, for instance, was Peter, right? Peter said, I will go to the death with you, Jesus. Don't worry about it. But yet Peter denied it. Judas, who'd spent three years with him, decided that he'd rather take some money and betray him and give him over to the Jewish people. The other ten disciples all scattered and fled and disappeared into the shadows because they were afraid that they would be punished too. And even those who were at the cross that day, most of them stood watching, Luke tells us helplessly what could they do how could they intervene the stage had been set the decision made the nails had begun to be hammered in and then the religious leaders the folks that were supposed to spiritually have the eyesight to believe and trust and see what God was up to in their community and their world they missed them too Well, they sort of half missed him. You see, they said the right things. If you're the king of the Jews, if you're the Messiah, if you're the chosen one, they got everything right. But they could not accept a crucified king. And so they missed the boat. The soldiers as well poured it on too saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. So much was this uh, sort of the banter of the moment that even one of the criminals nailed to the cross with Jesus as well. Said, if you're really the Messiah, then get me down from here as you get down from here. They all missed the moment. one of my mentoring pastors. uh, Gosh, of course, the minute I say that, his name (coughs) goes right out my, my brain. But he preached on this text while I was in seminary, Dennis Kinlaw. Dennis Kinlaw is one of the greatest preachers of the 20th, 21st century. But what Dennis shares about this text that I still remember clearly as if seminary was just a year ago, he said this, especially about the criminal that had jeered at Jesus that day. He said that criminal, brothers and sisters, is there to remind each of us here today that we can be so close to Jesus, right there in his presence, right there next to him in the moment, and we can still completely miss him. We can be right there next to him, and still completely missing. Spiritual blindness covered the eyes of all the people that were there that day. And the only thing that the cross helped show us is that in the cross we are all guilty of handing over the Messiah to death. how close can we get to Jesus and still miss him? We can be raised in the church. We can be raised in a Christian home. We can be baptized as an infant or as a teenager. We can come to church because we want to, I guess, or because we are forced to or expected to, and we can still miss him. Those are all good things to do. Those are all good things to get us close to Jesus, but to get close and still miss him You see, I had a lay leader one time, uh, his name was Joe Strickland, and he's gone to be with the Lord now, and he said, you know, he gave his testimony one time at church, and he said, listen, you know, I've been there. I've been that one that was close to Jesus and missed him. You know, as a young couple, my wife got us involved in church, and uh, as we got involved in church, I worked in banking, and so in banking... Uh, they immediately put me on the finance committee, so I was a leader at the church on finance. And then they started asking me to teach Sunday school, so I was teaching Sunday school lessons week in and week out. He says, I did not realize that I had totally missed Jesus until our church had a lay witness weekend one time. Any of y'all been through a lay witness weekend? They were... I went through one in the 80s and one in the 90s, and I actually did one about 10 years ago. They're still around, but they were real popular in the 80s. But it's where a team of ladies come from, say, all over Georgia. They come here for a weekend. They help us wake up to Jesus. That's why they're here. He says, that weekend, I finally realized I'd been this close to Jesus, and I'd been missing him the whole time. How sad it is for us to get this close to Jesus and miss it. And so the cross teaches us, brothers and sisters, first of all, that in our spiritual blindness, the Lord Jesus' death is on each and every one of us. You know, some of us think, well, that's not really true. If Jesus was here today, 2,000 years later, you know, if he'd come on the scene... I'd do much better. You know, I'd be ready, right there, eager to follow, eager to love him and all that all that kind of stuff. But is that really true? You see, Jesus throughout his life always had a way of kind of getting under our skin, pulling out our envy and our selfishness and our jealousy and our greed, and, and they didn't like it that much. Brothers and sisters, I believe that if Jesus... Was right here, right now. We just nail him to a cross all over again because the sin in us will not let the Holy One live and rule and be King on its own. Instead, I think like uh, Mel Gibson, who uh, did The Passion of the Christ. You remember the movie? You remember what Mel said about that? He said. I had to be the one to take the spikes and nail them in his hands and in his ankles. It had to be me because I know myself and I know it's my sin that nailed Jesus to the tree. I think what Mel shares is what all of us at some point are called to recognize. That it's our selfishness, our weakness, our sin nails Jesus to the cross. So we are without excuse. In fact, we need help sometimes seeing for the first time. We need someone to give us a little check. And that day, in that moment, it was the other thief, the only one in the whole atmosphere that clearly saw. It was that thief who gave the check to his neighbor on the cross where he said don't you fear God here both these men were they were hours from death one jeering the other realizing he says listen we're under the same sentence we both deserve this this is our just punishment the wrongs and crimes we have done. But Jesus, he didn't deserve any of this. Don't you fear God? Don't you realize that in just a few hours, you're not going to be here anymore? And you're going to be face-to-face with the, the creator of the universe, and you're going to have to explain to the creator how you lived your life and how you ended up on this cross and what that all means? Don't you fear God? Is probably the last hopeful word that the one criminal ever received. But if the picture of the one criminal is there to reveal to us how close we can get to Jesus and miss him, the other criminal who was there that day reveals to us how amazing God's good news is for each and every human being on the planet that we can be close to Jesus and Jesus is ready to open the doors of paradise for us. And it's truly an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, just think, I have people talk about this, do you really think, Chris, that someone in the last hours of their life Could say yes to Jesus and Jesus say yes back to them is that really when they've messed up their life when they've done all sorts of things they're ashamed of when they know that they've been living self-centeredly for years and years and years and, and, and doing all that on their own do you really think that in your last moments you can just say remember me Jesus and that works that doesn't seem fair. Whether it's fair or not, that's what happened. The picture of the criminal reminds us that no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter your past, no matter your present, no matter your future, all it takes is one little heartfelt prayer. Jesus, fix it. So won't you remember me? Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, won't you take me with you? And that's all that was required. You see, the primary issue that day was was the issue of who is Jesus? Is he really the king or not? And everyone there that day, at least most of the leaders there that day, most of the folks like the criminal that day, when they uh, heard about Jesus on the cross, they said, well, he's being crucified. And we know that the cross is such a same shameful thing that uh, there there's no hope in a crucified king. You see, uh, we just we can't wrap our minds around it. And that's what Paul writes for us. He says, listen, when the Jews looked at Jesus' life and death on the cross, they stumbled over him because they couldn't accept a crucified king. And the Greeks thought the whole idea was crazy and foolish. So they didn't really listen to it either. But for those who believe, it's the power of God for our salvation. And so, brothers and sisters, um, what will we do with the crucified king? In, the, uh, in our neighboring among the people of Islam, this is also one of their greatest stumbling blocks. Did you know that if you say, well, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, that most uh, Muslims will affirm that. They'll say, Yes, we know that. The Quran says that. Sure, no problem. The problem they have is with Jesus the Messiah dying on a cross. They they say, Christians, you've just got that wrong. It didn't really happen. There is no way that the God of the universe would let his chosen one, the king of the universe, the Messiah of the universe, die on a cross. And, and for them, it's a stumbling block like the ones we read here. But it was not a stumbling block for the other criminal. Because he was able to turn and look next to him. And instead of seeing just another guy, he saw a king. He saw a king that would have a kingdom. And he knew his only hope in his last hours of life was to cry out to that king and say remember me like that criminal we need our eyes fully open so we don't miss Jesus in fact i'm sure that's why jesus prayed the prayer he prayed on the cross remember father forgive them they do not know what they're doing he prayed that prayer because we he knows how blind we can be how we can keep our eyes closed and not recognize them, and so he prays father forgive them and here he links the cross with the forgiveness and healing power of God and in that moment of forgiveness he opens the door of paradise to the one he promises he'll remember and in that he opens the doors of paradise For each of us here anyone who will call on the name of the Lord and be saved anyone who will pray the prayer Jesus remember me you see paradise's doors have been closed for thousands of years you remember the story right Adam and Eve they were kicked out of the garden because of their sin and the sin that sickens us all and as a result the cherubim came and the cherubim you know put up the swords across uh, the way and blocked the gate and said no one can get into paradise anymore until sin is dealt with and it's on this day Jesus' last moment on earth as the man turns to him and says remember me when you come into your kingdom that he says today I open paradise for you. And that's the good news. Our past doesn't matter. But God is trying to move us to that moment where we will say yes to Jesus, where we'll say, Jesus, remember me. Because I trust you are my king. And you can be in charge of my life. I want to invite us to respond to that as we close this morning. And I know as I say that, that there are some here that say, yeah, that's great, but I I think I like the the criminal's idea. I'll just, I'll wait to the last minute. (laughs) I'll keep controlling my life. I'll be in charge of myself. I kind of like that. And so I'll just wait to the last minute. But brothers and sisters, when Jesus offered the criminal paradise, when did he offer it? Today. And when we say no to Jesus, we miss out on paradise when? Today. In your life, in your heart, in your family, in your community, we miss out on Jesus today. Somehow we crazily think that we can make our life better than Jesus can. But that criminal knew that all he had to do was ask, and he would find a place in the kingdom. That's all that's required. As far as we know, this guy wasn't baptized, don't know how often he'd been to synagogue or church. He had no opportunity to do anything good with the rest of the hours of his life. The only thing he could do was say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this morning, if your heart is at a place where you are ready to say yes to Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time, I hope you'll pray this prayer too. I hope you'll uh, take your palm branch and as we close with our closing hymn, as a sign of this being your heart's prayer, I want to invite you to bring the palm branch up to the altar and leave it here as a statement of faith that you wish for Jesus to remember you and you are ready to experience the paradise of his love today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Let's pray.